Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney will be drawing the truth out of the text from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, with a message titled, All of Life is Service or Worship. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Good to see you today. I'm glad you're here. You know, I know lots of folks are doing something else today. <laughs> and, uh, but I think this is the best place to be. Really this last Sunday, um, this kind of this last week before the new year. And this has been a year, hasn't it? <laughs> But I think that, again, I've said, I, I believe it's been a gift uh, to the church, to Christ followers in so many ways, um, but your depends on your heart and your perspective, and I think that's really important. Today I want to talk to you about um, some things that are maybe more on my mind. I usually try to address a few things um, during this Sunday almost every year, and it's, um, for me, it's about worship. I want to talk about worship today, actually, quite a bit. There's, um, there's a lot to say about worship. I think that we get confused um, a little bit about worship. We have an idea, we have a, a, a paradigm, so to speak, um, regarding worship that um, I think I think is inaccurate a lot, and I'm not necessarily being critical. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that we always understand or know or even seek to know what God's heart is about worship. And so um, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12, and I want to look at two verses. I, I want to go through these verses. I, I, I guess I might... It's going to seem like I'm a little teachy today instead of preachy, but um, uh, that's what I want to do because I think words are important and a big deal. So I'm going to tear these verses up quite a bit and draw the truth out of the text. And I want you and I to learn more and more about worship. And I think it takes some work. And these two verses that we're going to read... um, together, I, I think that there, there's just a couple of things that I, I want to remind you of. Let's go ahead and read them first, and then, and, and then I'll get to that. Um, Paul says in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. So in, in, in my study regarding worship, when you really work through the New Testament, the New Testament is stunningly silent. There, it is, there's a stunning indifference to place an external form regarding worship. Um, it's actually, I think, pretty shocking because all, we all uh, place a lot of value on 
the external forms that we use and places regarding worship. So it begins to define what worship is for us. And the New Testament is really indifferent or even silent regarding those things. That's, that's stunning to me because of the, how, much, how important it is to us. <laughs> the external and the place. And you think about it for a little bit. We all got a view. We all got an opinion about it. And what we actually think worship is. But I, I think that what we're going to see today when we draw the truth out of the text is that worship is so much more and so much different than the way we define it. Um, Pastor Kevin utilized um, some verses today out of John chapter 4 and, and where Jesus is talking to this woman about worship. And he's really addressing the, the whole idea of where and um, and the external kind of thing. He, he says, believe me, woman. <laughs> and he's not being disrespectful. He's just being very direct and talking to her straight up. Uh, Jesus says, believe me, woman, a time's coming when you're going to worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Addressing the places, right? He says, uh, you people worship what you do not know. It's not about a place and, 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 and things like that. All this external stuff, he says, we worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. He says, but a time's coming. Listen, he's saying, pay attention, sit up. And, and now, he says, it, it's, it's even here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. So, one of the, 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 the next things that I want to point out is there's a radical intensification of worship as an inner experience throughout the scriptures. An inner experience, not external. So much emphasis on the external, but it's about the internal. See, uh, Jesus is saying things like this throughout the New Testament. You people, are, you, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. Worship's real, authentic experience in the heart with God, or it's actually nothing if it's not going on in here. And so he says, these people, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. So I, w- I, want, to, um, I want to address these things because Jesus is saying in all this, not in Samaria, but in spirit, not in Jerusalem, but in truth, spirit and truth. So, my first point is the key to praising Christ, the key to praising Jesus is actually cherishing Him, and, 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 and that's what I mean about this vital essence of worship and an inner experience, an inner experience. I want to be careful with the experience word, because we're all looking for an experience, and if we're not experiencing it, then we're like, oh, I'm just not feeling it. And experience and feelings are... Your feelings are not trustworthy sometimes. And just because you're not feeling it doesn't mean that it's not happening as, as well, all right? The experience that I'm, uh, I want to talk about is the same experience that we, we've worked through a little bit before where Paul talks about this in Philippians 1. He teaches us about cherishing Christ as gain, cherishing Christ as gain or treasuring Christ or valuing Christ as gain, right? Or being satisfied with God and all that he is for us in Jesus. 
Paul said that his expectation was that he would magnify Christ by life or by death because for him to live was Christ and to die was gain. We, we know those famous verses um, of Paul's. So we magnify Christ in death and in life by counting him to be more gain than anything the world can offer. And we've kind of walked through that. But we utilize this terminology, worship services, right? We describe what happens on Sunday morning as worship services. You know, you know that, right? We, we have forever. We call these worship services. And uh, we, we don't really know where that comes from necessarily. It's been around for so long we don't even know. But let me kind of help with that. What we do on Sunday mornings called worship services, what do we mean services? In fact, before I go too much further, in the New English translation, the Net translation that I just read from, right, the, the word services used in some of your versions, it says worship. So I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. And this word service and worship are highly connected, not necessarily interchangeable, but almost inseparable. Okay, so services. What is a worship service? When you go to Acts chapter 17, and we're not going to go there, or Mark chapter 10, right, what happens is these passages show us that God is not served by human hands as though he is needing anything from us, but he himself gives us gives uh, to everything life and breath and everything. And Christ came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Whatever else a worship service is, it must first be and foremost be served by God. What do you mean? God is magnified when we cherish him, when we treasure him, when we value him as gain above all things. And come to tell him that to find him more. So we come here to tell him that and to find more of him. God serves us by giving us life and breath and everything about himself um, that goes to the deepest recesses of our heart. We worship first and foremost by thirsting and hungering after God above all things. And that means that we worship first and foremost by being served by God. It is a worship service because the service starts with God serving us what we so desperately need, namely himself, okay? And that's really why we call this a worship service. So I want to connect all this all of life with worship, all of life with service and worship. I want to connect these dots. So if the vital essence of that inner experience we call worship is being satisfied in God or cherishing Christ as gain above all things, this accounts for why Romans chapter 12, these two verses portray all of life as service or worship. All of life is this for the Christ follower, all of life. What does that life look like then? What does it look like? What is this supposed to be? 
And the answer would seem to be that we get up in the morning, we get our hearts fixed on Jesus, right? That's what we're supposed to do. We go to him, we renew um, our, our satisfaction in him through his word. Should be doing that. And then we enter the day seeking to express and increase that satisfaction in all that God is for us in Jesus. Look at the verse again. Now, I'm going to put it up here, but I think you should mark your Bible and look at it for yourself. If you're not going to do that, then I'll put it up here for you reluctantly. All right. You should mark it yourself, though, um, because there's, there's things that you should be tearing up here in these two verses and going back probably and looking at. So... Here are these two verses again that connect all of life with worship, okay? With service and worship. This is about a sacrifice that lives and moves and does things. Let's take a look. So so verse 1 says that presenting your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is for your reasonable service, right? Now, what is this referring to? A sacrifice was usually a dead body of some kind, not a living one. So he says living to make sure we know he doesn't mean literally human sacrifice. I know that might sound obvious, but, but we're, we don't live in a sacrificial system anymore. It might not have been as obvious then. So a sacrifice was usually laid on the altar, and parts of it were eaten by the priest, and that was the end of the animal. It had no more existence, but that's not what Paul means because at least three times in Romans 6, verse 13, 16, 19, he speaks of presenting our bodies, our members to God like this. In every case, he says, it is so that our members, our arms, our legs, our tongues, our eyes, our ears, even our sexual organs would become instruments of righteousness. So the sacrifice is not only living, it is moving about and doing things in the world. That's our sacrifice, doing things. Living about and utilizing what we've been given by God, doing things, deeds. So how is it a sacrifice? And practically, how do you present your bodies to God as sacrifices? I think the best answer is to see the connection between verses 1 and 2. There is a connection. And I'm going to suggest it is that verse 2... All right, you got to think this through. Verse 2, this is where I'm going to get teachy. Verse 2 is a realistic explanation of the more symbolic verse 1. Verse 1 actually talks about sacrifices and service. Verse 2 talks about your mind being renewed and doing the will of God, okay? So the explicit link to show you that Paul is thinking this way is the repetition of the word well-pleasing, all right? Some of your versions, if you're using a different version than the New English translation, might say acceptable. Present your bodies, verse 1 and 2, present your, verse, uh, your, your bodies, Holy and acceptable to God. Verse 2, you use your renewed mind to test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. So there's, there's a close link between offering your body to God and accept, and as an acceptable or well-pleasing sacrifice to God and doing the well-pleasing will of God. Okay? 
Now, those two things are, are, are key. So, we want to talk about being not conformed, but transformed. So, if verse 2, again, you got to hang with me. If verse 2 is a realistic explanation of the symbolic picture of verse 1, let's look at it for just a minute. There's a negative command and a positive one here. There almost always is, right? Uh, they're almost always coupled together. Negatively, don't be conformed to this world. Positively, be transformed. Not conformed, transformed. Devote your life as a, as a Christ follower, as a follower of Jesus, to, be, to being changed. Devote your life to being changed. Don't settle at a, level, at a level of transformation you now have. Oh my goodness. How many Christ followers throw away so much by just coasting, coasting through life? Be transformed. It's present tense, ongoing, continual growth in unconforming yourself to the world. Be be. Uh, present tense, continual growth. But how does this happen? What's involved? Does it mean that we should just study what the world wears, what the world watches, what the world does, what the world listens to, what the world buys, what the world plays, and then just do the opposite? In some cases, maybe, yeah, maybe lots of things. There's going to be a different in most of those levels probably, but that's not what the text Actually, that's not what the truth is focused on. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this is the part where we got to do some learning right here. The focus is not first on getting the outside of the cup clean. It's never about the outside, hardly ever. It's on the inside, right? In other words, transformation and nonconformity on the outside have to flow from a new mind, a new mind. Be transformed in the renewing of your mind. So you might say, okay, that means we have to learn to think differently. Okay? And that seems reasonable. We have to learn to think different than the world thinks. And that will transform us from the inside out. Well, that, that might be true, I guess. But there's a word in verse 2 to show us that it is not the whole truth, actually. And words are a big deal. It may not even be the main truth, actually depending on what you mean by th- the, you know, thinking, all right? But what is the function of the mind according to verse 2? Look at verse 2 again. What is the goal of a renewed mind? Right thinking is definitely essential. If you think illogically, you're probably going to live badly, okay? I mean, there is an argument here for those of you who like Mr. Spock. And the Vulcans, right? For example, you might think, but, but you got to be careful here. You might think this way. Let me give you two premises. Premise one, most TV ads entice me to want things that I don't need. You notice that? They're good at it. I got to say, I bought one of those little vacuum things for me and Linda. Uh, you know, that it vacuums for you. You don't actually vacuum. It just runs around and maps out your house and vacuums, right? 
I was so impressed with the TV ad. I'm like, that's what I want. It does that while you're away. All right, here's premise two, or premise one, all right? All right, premise two, watching more TV causes me to see more of those TV ads. So conclusion, logical, the more TV I watch, the less I'll be enticed to want things I don't need. Did you catch that? Watching most TV ads, or the, uh, most TV ads entice me to want things that I don't need. Watching more TV causes me to see more ads. The more TV I watch, the less I will be enticed to want things I don't need. That's simply illogical thinking, and it'll cause you to live badly if you don't think better than that. You got to get beyond the logic a little bit, right? Okay, now, let's talk about this word prove and approve. The the different translations that you're all reading from, and you should all just read from the New English translation and just be done with it. But here's what happens is, that's not what verse 2 stresses. There is a very crucial word that we have to get right. Now, I'm, I, I don't want to sound too critical of, of translations. I mean, there's a lot of people that are way smarter than me. But look, the New American Standard Bible, that's a Bible I went to school with, I studied with, you know, seminary, all these things, says that a renewed mind is, is so that we may prove, it uses the word prove, what the will of God is, all right? The key word is prove. It is tremendously an important word. It has two implications. One is the idea of testing and proving something's value. That word prove does. And the other idea is the capacity to assess it and approve of a value when you see it. And so it's really, really hard in English to bring out both these ideas with one word. That's why I like the New English translation. It does, in fact, do this by using two words. It refers to the renewing of your mind. Then it says you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Now, the New International Version, this one time, gets it right too. But it gets it wrong on other times, right? So I'm not a big fan. So anyway, it refers to the renewing of your mind, then says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. That is the full idea, test and approve. Now, this is actually really huge. It's really, really huge. The root issue is more than right thinking. It's right valuing. Right valuing. That's, that's what's so huge. Actually, what is the root issue in verse 2? Look at verse 2 again. The root issue is more than right thinking. It's right value, not just right proving, but right approving. Not just right testing, but treasuring. Let me see if I can help you uh, see this uh, difference like this. It would be possible to teach a person to recognize some of the traits of gold without knowing the value of gold. Yeah, actually. You might give somebody a job of panning for gold in, in a stream that you've 
you want to get gold out of, and then you pay this person a dollar an hour while he accurately tests the gold stones or, you know, are they stones, I guess, rock, metal, right? And toss thousands of dollars worth of gold nuggets into your bag, okay? That's not the kind of renewal Paul's talking about. He's not saying read enough books or listen to enough podcasts or enough sermons so that you can spot a good deed when you see it and then work up the discipline to then do it. He's saying be renewed so deeply in your mind that not only can you test and spot gold when you see it, but you also love gold, you approve gold, you treasure gold. That's what the word means. Okay? You can see that the renewal involves more than just a logic lesson. If you want to find out if a certain material is sweet, okay, you might reason logically it's brown, it's gooey, it comes from a beehive, it crystallizes if you drop water in it, and it makes the eyes of your grandpa just light up when you put it on toast, Why do grandpas always really like honey? They just do. So you infer it must be honey, and honey is sweet. That's not the way Romans 12, 2 means for you to find the will of God. That's not it. The way you know if this material is sweet is by the power of taste, not logic. Taste. What? Yes. Okay, let's go on. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let's keep going. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. This is a, a side verse, but it has the closest parallel to this verse that, that I feel like you can find. And there Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's a very strange phrase. It's a weird phrase. The spirit of your mind. I think it means something like the capacity of your mind to taste the spirit of something. Think about that for a minute. One of the reasons some people live much more holy and upright lives than some Christ followers who are really educated and seem to know a lot is that their minds are far more deeply renewed, I think. That is, they are so renewed that they can taste, or you might say smell, the rottenness of a temptation way before others can do that. And they, and they turn away before they ever get even close to being contaminated by it. And they can taste and they can smell really awesome, beautiful opportunities for love before others can even see it coming. How does that happen? I think, it, I think in other words, mind renewal is a deep spiritual change in how your mind assesses things and values things. Paul says in Ephesians 4.18, they are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. So if the mind's going to be wise and discerning about the will of God, the heart must be soft and susceptible to spiritual reality. In other words, the renewal Paul is calling us for is profound. It's deeper than just mental effort and, 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 and intentionality. This is why prayer is really essential. 
The constant prayer of a Christ follower is open up my eyes that I can see God. Let my eyes, the, the eyes of my heart be enlightened. Cause me, O oh God, to taste and see that you are good. In other words, God must do the renewing through his word and through his spirit. So you can taste it. I think there's a profoundly renewed mind. Profoundly renewed mind. So let's keep going here because if you step back to Romans 12 now again, you look at these two verses. Now with the insight that we kind of have this far, the root of living as a Christ follower in verse 2 is, profoundly, is a profoundly renewed mind. It's a renewed mind. And this is the part that we, we don't get uh, as much as we should. It doesn't just think clearly, but it assesses truly. It values accurately. It tests and approves strongly. It treasures passionately what is good, acceptable, or pleasing, well-pleasing and perfect. This is utterly relevant to our daily lives because 95% of the things that we do during the day, we do without any extended logical reflection. We just do things. We just act spontaneously out of the spirit of the mind that is in us, you see. Or as Jesus said, out of the abundance of our hearts. So to live the life of following Jesus with an authenticity as a Christ follower and truly worship, we must be in the process of deep renewal, deep beneath right thinking. Renewal, renewal, not just right thinking. It's beneath that. Then verse 2 says that this deep renewal of the way we test and approve and assess and value reality leading us, leads us to a transformed life that is not conformed to the world. Now, I, I think part of the reason why maybe I'm harping on this, it seems like a lot, is because the world that we live in is all trying their, our best to just, it's just lying, lying, lying like crazy, right? It is a war on reality right now. Everybody and everything is lying. I mean, to the point where you don't know what is true. Tell me right now, you know, as much as I want this vaccine thing to work, I'm kind of leery. Why? I'm not exactly sure. I, I, what I trust anymore. There's sometimes where I'm like, yeah, just give it to me. That's, come on. And then, the, you know, then when I hear, have you heard this? Have you read this? Even if you get this vaccine, doesn't mean that you're not going to be, be able to spread it. That makes me go, wait a minute. What? I thought this was going to solve everything. Uh, we're we're, we're going to be doing this for a long time is what I think. I, th I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know what is true. I need this. And this is highly connected to all of life being service and worship. I need this. I need this profound, renewed mind. Because verse 2 says that this deep renewal of the way we test and approve and assess and value reality leading to a transformed life is... Not conformed to the world. Now, the nonconformity is not just external and forced, but internal and natural and free. It flows from our new values and assessments and where our treasure is. But it does change us externally and put us out of conformity with the world. 
and don't get too distracted by my illustrations, we find ourselves doing things that Paul calls the will of God, actually, when your mind is constantly renewed. Because it is in tandem, it is in tune with God's heart. God has a pattern of life that he calls us to live, and it lines up with new powers of approving what is good and beautiful and true, and new values and new treasures. There are good things, well-pleasing things, and perfect things, and those are the things that we focus on. Now, how does this relate to verse 1? How does this relate to the life sacrifice of our bodies offered to God, which is our spiritual service or worship? I think uh, uh, it is a simple way of describing what that offering of service or worship is. What verse 2 describes, okay, is a live sacrifice because in the renewal of our minds, a whole way of tasting, a whole way of assessing, a whole way of approving, and a whole way of valuing, and a whole way of treasuring, the world actually dies. And a new one takes its place. We are, as Paul says, crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to us, Galatians 6.14. So the renewal is a dying of old values and a coming to life of new ones. It is the dying of old ways and treasuring and awakening to new spiritual taste buds. Well, come on. What does this have to do with me? You know, I really like asking this question because here's what it has to do with you and me. God is, if if you're a Christ follower, then God is your satisfying treasure. Our spiritual service or worship is to come to God each and every day and say, God, there is nothing that I want more than to test and approve What is most worthy? God, there is nothing more that I want than to value what is most valuable and treasure what is most precious and admire what is most beautiful and hate what is most evil and detest what is most ugly. I'm dead to everything that is unspiritual and worldly and and rotten for my soul. Renew me, God. Awakened spiritual capacities of right assessment. And then we say, and take me, my body and my soul, and make me the instrument of your glory in the world. Let the renewal you are working from within show on the outside. This is my spiritual service or worship. To show the world that you are what I treasure. So here it is. What's this have to do with me? Number one, the essence of worship is being satisfied in God and cherishing Christ. That's what it means to have a renewed mind. Number two, the renewed mind recognizes, tastes, and approves, treasures and cherishes the will of God, and it transforms all of life. And all of life becomes service and worship because it first and foremost recognizes, tests, and approves, and treasures, and cherishes God. And then, doing the will of God is the displaying of God in His glory. Did you catch that? Doing the will of God, doing what God's heart is all about, is the displaying of God in His glory. 
And that's where we get Matthew 5, 16, right? Let your light shine before people so that, you can, so that they can see your deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. It's really this, this, this last thing. All of life is shining light on what you truly value and cherish and treasure. Why? So that if you are a follower of Jesus, then all of life is service or worship. That's what this has to do with you and me. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Cherish God in all his works and all his ways. If you're a follower of Jesus, your old mind is dead, so offer yourself to God as a live sacrifice so he may put you on display by shining a light on his worth and his value in your life. Worship and serve him with your life. That's radical. That's really radical. Everything begins to change in churches in this place you go to. It's a place where you are served by God and where you serve others. It's, a, it's that self-winding watch. It is brilliant. It starts with God. And then we end up shining in such a way that, it, that we proclaim this light, this magnificent light that shines on, on the Lord. See, everything about us is created by God to reflect His glory. Everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It's all designed by God to feature and to showcase the essence of who He is. That's true worship. And this mind of ours has got to be renewed each and every day continually transformed and changed. Ongoing, ongoing. No coasting, ongoing. Continually learning. So if you're a little older, you've been at it a while, I'm less compassionate for your lack of ongoing feeding. You don't get to this point where you just like, hey, been there, done that. Come on, that's why we need... Older folks teach in Sunday school. Your mind is so renewed, you could taste it. And we need you to rub off on those boogers in there. Right? I think you, if you're young, you ought to be in there too and, and, and go for it. But, you know, there's a whole other message. The whole, like... Don't buy a motorhome and travel around the world, you know, and stuff like that. Come on, let's, we got stuff to do here, right? Okay. <laughs> That's, this is a message I wanted to, you know, I, I, when I study and, 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 and work really hard at, like, putting together a series and to teach, I, I really want to assess what we need to learn and, and um, I, I don't know. I feel like this Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, it's, it's, maybe it's mostly about what I need to know, what I need to learn. That's kind of where I focus, right? And I think worship is like that. Worship's a big deal, right? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Um, we are so blessed. In the midst of all of 2020, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to say I'm glad 2020 is over. I I'm not exactly 
uh, glad. I, I just think that you've been doing so many things in my life, in the hearts of the uh, Christ followers in the church. I think it's a shame to just wanted to end and start over in a way. I, I, th- I think you've been at work and I think you've been after something and I am profoundly grateful for it, Lord, because you, you teach us and you stretch us and you cause us to grow, Lord God, in, in the midst of difficult and frustrating things. And, and we know that we, 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 we have a purpose and a mission and a mandate, God. Help us to be all about it. But right here and now, Lord, our attention is, is, is on uh, worship and our life being all about worship, being on display, showcasing the essence of who you are. We know that's what you want us to do. We get the peace, but you get the glory. And so help us to glorify and honor you in a way that um, truly shines a bright light on it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.